1: Hello and welcome to World Weekly from the Financial Times. I'm Gideon Rachman. The year 2016 has begun with a sharp deterioration in the relationship between the major powers in the Gulf region, Iran and Saudi Arabia. It's yet another dangerous development in a Middle East region that's already wracked by war. Joining me to discuss the situation is Rula Khalaf, the FT's foreign editor who's followed the region for many years. And on the line from Washington is our correspondent there, Jeff Dyer. Rula, I've said this is a dangerous development. How dangerous?
0: Well, it's very dangerous because the region is already in a state of constant deterioration and escalating violence. And it's dangerous because Iran and Saudi Arabia are confronting each other on various fronts through proxies in Yemen, to a certain extent, even in Iraq, and mainly in Syria. And whatever happens in the relationship between them plays out all across the region.
1: So rather than the risk of them actually directly going to war, it's more that they will feed their proxies and the conflicts we're trying to damp down will flare up.
0: Yes, I think the chances of a direct military confrontation between them are very slim, but it doesn't make it any less dangerous because they are effectively at war with each other through their proxies and through escalation on various other fronts in the Middle East.
1: And, Jeff, what is the reaction in Washington to this? Because, obviously, the United States has got a very close relationship with Saudi Arabia. On the other hand, trying to bring Iran in from the cold has been a central thrust of the Obama administration's foreign
2: policy. So how are they playing it? Well, publicly, they haven't been too critical of the Saudis. But in private, they've let it be known that they're very unhappy that the Saudis went ahead and executed this cleric. They said that they advised them ahead of time not to do this, said that it would have a lot of repercussions. um, And now they're trying to deal with the damage. But you know the backstory is that this administration has had a very difficult relationship with the Saudis, really going back to the fall of Mubarak in Egypt in two thousand eleven, the whole Syria Red Line incident, the Iran nuclear deal, there's another huge conflict between the two, and then this is just another source of friction between the US and the Saudis. And the irony is the way it plays out is that the Saudis are worried that they're essentially being cut out, but the US is in this process of organizing a rapprochement with the Iranians. But by doing this kind of thing in a way that irritates the US, they are making at least some people here think that maybe the Saudis aren't the best bet for the US in, in the long run in the region.
1: And yet, Rula, Iran's reaction has also excited condemnation, the storming of the Saudi embassy. You know, Western countries have unpleasant memories of having their own embassies stormed in Tehran.
0: Indeed, yes. I think the problem here is that you have two actors who seem to be on a rather irrational path here. And I think that that leaves the US and its Western allies stuck between the two and not really able to influence the situation. I mean, the biggest question here is, who's going to step in to contain this? And there are no obvious mediators.
1: And what about this question of the internal stability of Saudi Arabia, which Jeff alluded to, people saying, well, this is a regime which is really rocky at the moment. You've been there recently. Did it feel like that?
0: No, and I don't think that one can read from what happened in Saudi a sense of instability in the regime. In fact, I think that what they did, the execution of the Shia cleric rallies support for them domestically. It doesn't make them less stable. But this is a bit of a perfect storm right now in Saudi Arabia because you have a combination of factors that make managing the next few years very difficult. One is the collapse in oil prices, which is largely due to a Saudi policy. So that is forcing them to implement austerity measures that can change or at least upset the social contract between rulers and the people. There is also a war in Yemen which is draining financial resources but also testing the military capability of the Saudis and there are now a big clash with Iran and they are involved in all the other conflicts in the region. They want to play a very assertive role at a time when domestically they have to pay a lot of attention to the economy.
1: And so Jeff, I mean you've alluded to America thinking quite hard about its relationship with the Saudis. Is the instinct in Washington, though, still ultimately to try to prop up the House of Saud for fear of what would come afterwards?
2: Oh, yes, I think so. Absolutely. I mean, this is on the margins that people have been thinking for some time and Some people sort of suggesting that, you know, maybe we shouldn't be quite so close to them. But when the push comes to the shove, they realize that their interests are much more closely aligned with the Saudis than most other countries in the region. They see them as a vital ally in most of the fights that they're currently in, and they're not in any way about to kind of cut ties with them. But, you know, they are trying to have this Iran nuclear deal. They are trying to at least have a more functional relationship with the Iranians. Not normal diplomatic relations, but at least have an open channel of communication. And this is just one other reason that makes that much harder when you have this type of conflict.
1: And I guess the implications for the Syria diplomacy, which must be very near the top of the Obama administration's list of priorities, are pretty dire, aren't they, of a flare-up between Iran and Saudi Arabia?
2: Yeah, I I think that's the most immediate fallout in terms of the US. They have set up this new diplomatic process to try and deal with the Syrian conflict. There were a huge number of problems with this process anyway, lots of difficulties. But the one real success they had in the last couple of months was getting the Iranians and getting the Saudis in the same room talking as part of the process. That is a big deal because they're obviously two of the bigs or outside proxy powers that are fueling that war. Now, the Saudis say that even having cut diplomatic relations with the Iranians, they're still going to take part in the process. But it's very hard to see how that's really going to go forward in the next few weeks at least while you have this dispute between the Saudis and the Iranians.
1: And Rula, I mean... We've talked about this idea of a proxy war between Iran and Saudi Arabia. I'm sure this is a very oversimplified question, but who's winning the proxy war? I mean, who feels that they're doing better regionally?
0: My sense is that at the end of the day, the only thing that's being achieved by both sides is destructive. I don't see anyone really winning or getting anything out of this. What I see them both accomplishing is creating just complete chaos all over the place. So the Saudis feel that the Iranians have had the upper hand and that they're on the defensive and they're now trying to stand up to Iran. But ultimately, I don't see what either one of them really gets out of this.
1: Mm. And Jeff, I mean, we talked about Syria as a prime goal of American diplomacy this year. I mean, last year's big achievement was the Iran nuclear deal. If this begins to escalate, is that now in question, that that could unravel? I think
2: this administration, this president, will do everything they can to try and keep the Iran deal on track. And they will try to make sure that this particular dispute doesn't unravel the Iran deal. But there are lots of other areas of friction around the Iran deal as well. You've had Iran conducting two ballistic missile tests in recent months. So you have a question of whether the US can put sanctions on Iran. You have questions the Iranians and Europeans have raised about US visa legislation and what that means for the Iran deal. So as we get closer to implementing the Iran deal, which is supposed to happen probably in February, there are a whole series of different issues that have come up, with which this is one. But I think ultimately the administration will do everything it can to try and keep the deal on track.
1: Is that your feeling too, Ruler? that the Iran deal will survive?
0: Yes, I think that there's just too much at stake for the administration. This is the flagship foreign policy achievement of the Obama administration. At the same time, I think it is becoming trickier for the US because they can't lose the Saudis. So I think it's going to be very, very difficult to manage this year.
1: Okay, and let's end then by talking about the prospects for the year ahead since we're in the first week of January. It looks pretty bleak, and your comments at the beginning implied that if anything, things are going to get worse. Is that basically your view? And
0: Yes, I think that except for the international military campaign against ISIS, which I think will degrade ISIS, and ISIS will lose more territory. But beyond that, I don't see any of the conflicts resolved. And in fact, I think they're likely to deteriorate. And even if you defeat ISIS in Iraq and Syria, for instance, without the right political process in place, without the sectarian tensions, dampening, you're not going to get a resolution of these conflicts.
1: And Jeff, finally, to conclude, I mean, a lot of people have been looking, hopefully despairingly, sometimes accusingly across the Atlantic at Washington and saying, you know, well, can't the Americans sort this out? How do these conflicts in the Middle East seem from the viewpoint of the Obama administration, particularly since it's entering its last year? Are they in despair or are they to some extent washing their hands of it? How's it look?
2: Um, I mean, it's just one big headache after another. But I think, as Rula said, the one kind of thing that they are hanging on to is that they have stepped up the military campaign against ISIS in the last couple of months, having some signs of progress. I mean, they're limited signs of progress, but some signs of progress. follow Ramadi the other day, being one part of that. And so they are slowly degrading ISIS, but they're not going to defeat ISIS for a long time. It's going to be very hard to get ISIS out. The big cities, Raqqa and Mosul, where it is based. And as it starts to lose territory and comes under more pressure, then the incentives for ISIS to do things like the Paris attack, like the San Bernardino attack, increase... So it could actually feel a lot worse in the West than in the US, even if the military campaign does start to do well over the next year. So I think it's going to be another year for the administration of just one constant fighting one fire after another in the Middle East, just trying to keep up rather than actually really have any coherent kind of long-term strategy to bring order to the region.
1: OK, well, with that rather gloomy thought, that's a nice way to start off 2016. Thanks very much, Jeff Dyer in Washington. Thanks also to Ruler Halaf here in the studio in London. That's it for this week. Until next Next week, goodbye.